We've been walking through this series that we started last week called Scatter, and the whole idea is based on the parable of the sower. We're supposed to be sowing seed. We're supposed to be reaching those around us, but the problem is many of us are not very good at it. If we're honest, we kind of, so when somebody does respond and ask us a question, we're kind of like that guy. We're a little lost as to what to say. We kind of fumble through it. But wouldn't that be sad for somebody to look at you and say, don't you think that was a message I need to hear? But they said that a little bit too late. See, I think we need to think about those things because God has given us a an incredible gospel. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And for some of you that weren't here last week, as we started, we passed out little packets of seeds. Because when I read this parable, it's about the farmer that was sowing seed. And there's some of these available. If you weren't here, we want to make sure that you get one after service. But what we did was there's blanks on here where you can pray and as the Holy Spirit leads you, write names of people that you say, you know what, they might want to hear about this message. And so you can begin to pray for them in advance. You can begin to invite them and you can list those names and then as Easter approaches, invite them and do what you can to get them here so that you're not that guy. Now that I put you all on the spot, let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. Because today's message is certainly not a message that we can afford to ignore. Now last week when I talked about this parable of the sower, I read it out of Matthew. There's a few little subtle differences in words that I want to use. So we're going to read it out of Mark today, which is the account of the very same event. But Mark chapter 4, verse 2 through 6 says this, And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. See, there's much we need to take to our heart concerning this idea and let this this idea of the sower of the seed take root in our heart, so to speak. And so today I've given today's message the title Scatter on Gravelly Ground because it's talking about the stony ground. And, and I want you to think through this thought. I'm going to unpack this a little bit for you. But the whole idea is scatter your seed on gravelly ground when a mustard seed can bring mountains down. Because what do we do? Sometimes we look at we look at ground that we consider to be hard or infertile ground and we and we look at it and, and instead of scattering the seed everywhere, we kind of tend to think, well, that ground is just too hard. I'm not going to waste my time or my effort there. But Jesus taught us that faith the side of a mustard seed can bring down a rocky mountain. So if it can bring down a rocky mountain, how many think maybe a little bit of seed could somehow penetrate the rocky soil and begin to bring something forth? Now, I understand the parable. He talks about it being taken away, but also understand that God has the power to turn that hard soil into fertile soil. He has that power and that ability. And sometimes what we think is bad soil is actually better soil than you think. 
So as we think about that, I know that some of you were here last week, but I'm going to kind of revisit a couple of things from a little different angle this morning because last week was spring break and some of you weren't here. And since you're here now, I'm going to hit you with it. The point is that God has given us an agricultural assignment. We have been commanded to produce fruit. Notice I didn't say suggested. I didn't say if you find time, but we've been commanded to produce fruit. And according to Jesus, the whole interpretation of this parable as he goes down in verse 14 when his disciples come to him and say, okay, explain this parable to us. He makes this statement of verse 14 that really jumped out at me. He says, the sower sows the word. So that lets us know that the seed that's being broadcast is the word of God. The sower sows the word. This is a reference to Jesus, but by extension, it is also assigned to each of us to spread the gospel. He did the work. He's gone to be seated at the right hand of the Father. It is our responsibility to spread the seed. Matter of fact, since this is the word, I'm spreading seed at this very moment. Pastor Nate talked about it. We think that this idea that we have to preach, all it is is announcing. All it is is, is sharing the story. I mean, in our little video, as silly as that was, the guy wasn't looking for a theological explanation. He was just looking for a reasonable explanation. So when you sow, when you reach out to someone in his name, when you speak to them and show his love, you're sowing seed. I thought about that. I began to think about what it must have been like for the farmer. Can you imagine, I mean, where we live at, right across 2453 that runs there close to where we turn into our neighborhood, on the other side is just this huge field. I mean, it's just as far as you can see back there, just field. And every year it's always interesting to see what are they, what kind of seed are they going to sow, what's going to grow in that field that's across the way. And I thought about that. Can you imagine having that much invested in that much property? Can you imagine having all that investment in the equipment to sow the seed and all the stuff that goes with that? And I begin to think about that process. Don't you know that a farmer, don't you know that the sower has dreams about what that crop can become? And so my question to you today is, do you ever dream of the harvest? Let that seed give for a moment. I mean, do you ever stop and dream of the harvest? Do you ever think, Lord, I would love, I mean, we, we all daydream, right? And in the midst of our daydreams, do we ever dream, boy, I would love to do this and see my friends come to know Jesus. I'd love to see my family members come in and give their lives to Christ. Do you ever dream about those things? Do you ever picture what that moment might look like when they come down and they give their life to Christ? I had a privilege years ago. It was one of the coolest things. I'd been praying and praying and praying for my sister-in-law at the time. And we were actually, Kim and I were actually supposed to go out of town. And 
Some things happened where we had a financial emergency that kind of made that not possible. And so we ended up being in the service on that particular Sunday. And we've been praying and praying and dreaming. I've been trying to picture what that would look like to see her to respond. And we were supposed to be gone, but she was in the service that day. Already had somebody else scheduled to speak. And we were there. And all of a sudden, I watch as she gets up and responds to the altar call. And I was just going, God, thank you so much. Not only did I pray for this, but I got to see it with my own eyes. But do we ever dream about the harvest? If we don't, maybe there's a little bit of a problem there. Years ago, I preached a message and I threw out this question, what's better than heaven? Taking somebody with you when you go. That's the only thing I can think of that's better than heaven is when you take somebody with you when you go. So by the same measure, what's worse than hell? Taking somebody with you when you go. But the truth is we should have sower's dreams. The farmer casts his seed into the field, and he does so hoping that it will fall on good soil. But he's not too discriminate. He's got an area that he's targeted, and he's going to make sure that whole thing is covered with seed. But he cast the seed with the expectation that there's going to be a return, that something's going to happen. And he's done his best to prepare the ground in advance. That's why we're asking you to pray over the people that you write the names down to begin to turn that soil, begin to prepare it in advance so that it's ready to receive the seed when the time comes. And when the seed is sown, he doesn't just walk away. He continues to nurture that ground, give it what it needs to grow. How many know that us as Christians could learn a lot from a farmer? I think there's a reason that Jesus used that analogy as he told the parable. And the sower has one goal to get the seed into ground so that the harvest can come. It should be the same with the seed of the gospel message. It should be sown with prayer. It should be allowed to germinate in that person's heart to prepare the ground and then do the work to try to get it ready to reach the harvest. See, that's the intention of the sower. That should be our intention as well. Let me ask you this. If you are not scattering seed... You should determine why not, and you should fix it. We need to think that stuff through. Because if you look at it, not only does the, does the farmer dream about the soil and planting the seed, he's invested in it. I mean, many times they seek everything they have into making sure they've got the equipment and the seed and the process and everything in place so there can be a harvest. There's no guarantee. A storm could wipe them out. There's many things that could go wrong, but they're all into the idea. They make an investment. They, he, he gives something away, expecting to receive a harvest in return. It take, he takes precious seed many times that he saved from the previous harvest so that he can plant it again and get a harvest in return. 
See, the whole idea is that this, we're talking about an investment here. Yes, it's not always comfortable. Yes, it's not, the, it's not the easiest thing. Sometimes we are caught off guard when somebody asks a question and we're stumbling a little bit for what to say. But if it's down deep in your heart, if you've been praying about it, if you've been dreaming about it, if you've made the investment to be prepared for the harvest, then when those times come, the Holy Spirit will give you the answers to say if you have the guts to speak out. Jesus gave us all for you and me so that we could have this gospel to believe. So how can we not pay it forward? How can we not dream about the harvest? How can we not invest in the harvest? Romans 7, 4 says this, Likewise, my brothers... You also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. And here's the part I want to focus on. In order that we may bear fruit for God. He's talking about the, the salvation. He's talking about all that was done for us and how Jesus paid the price. And he makes the whole point that all of that happened in order that we may bear fruit from God. Believe it or not, you were saved for the purpose of bearing fruit. You were saved for the purpose of scattering seed. Now, he loves you, but he also loves the people that we're supposed to be scattering seed to. We must scatter seed. We must scatter the good news because it is the free gift of salvation. How many times do we hear that? Jesus died to give you a free gift of salvation. And he did. It's true. But sometimes I think we misuse the idea of free. A gift that is truly free means somebody else paid for it. Remember years ago, we were on staff at a large church and they went to multiple services, and I mean multiple, multiple services. And so they set up an area that, that for those that were there working multiple services, that you could go and you could get a little, you could pop in between services, get a little snack of something to eat and something to drink and kind of slide on out. And, and I'll never forget, you know, my kids grew up and, you know, when we were at church for multiple services, they were at church for multiple services. They grew up in that way of life. That's, they understood that. That was part of life for them. And it wasn't a down thing because church became their home away from home. Ultimately, I think it was a positive thing, and I think they would tell you that. But I noticed one day that, and I don't even remember which one it was, so I'm not going to pick on any one of them individually, but I remember one service that, that was happening. We were there, and, and we went in to grab a little something between services, and I, and I watched this. I don't remember which one. One of my boys began to really load up a plate with stuff. I said, whoa, 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 put some of that back. Why? It's free. Free for you but it costs the church to provide it. So be thankful enough for it to be a little conservative in what you use, right? On the flip side, a little differently, is yes, salvation is free for us, 
but it was bought and paid for by Jesus at great cost to himself. So how can we not think about passing that on to somebody else? Because it's free, but it's not cheap. It is of the highest value and highest cost. We need to share. Because it cost him the glory of heaven. It cost him the cross. So with that thought in mind, we need to understand that this seed that we're talking about is truly a treasure. Because I'll admit, we didn't spend a whole lot on this. These are just some little annual flowers that you can plant these seeds and they will grow. Matter of fact, they're coated with this treatment that they're guaranteed to grow. So you can take it and plant it and it can be a reminder to pray for these people and get these people here for Easter. But the point is, this didn't cost very much. We got the the envelope. I found a place, Amazon actually had these where you could print them. I put them in my printer and just it spit them out. So it was real cheap. A little bit of seeds, took a little spoon and scooped them. It did cost a little slava to lick it. So uh, I want you to know that every one of these was either personally licked by, by Kim or I won. So I don't know if that makes it any more holy or not, but there it is. I don't even know where I was going with that. No. But the point is, though, the seed that we're talking about is that it's a treasure. It's of great value. <clears throat> and when the farmer walked in his field with his seed bag, he literally holds in his hand a treasure. And he tosses it out. He tra- tosses that treasure as it was to the wind with the idea that it's going to land where he desires for it to land. Matter of fact, not only did the farmer dream of a harvest, not only did he invest in the harvest, but if he's a real believing farmer, he was praying over the harvest. Lord, let this produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked on this earth as a treasure. And he came to provide the gospel of grace for us. And when Jesus cast the seed of the gospel into the world, he did so with the knowledge it was going to bring forth fruit, that there was going to be a harvest. But then he commanded us to treat this seed like the treasure that it is. I was thinking about the guy in the video. What a powerful moment. Can you imagine if somebody really looked you in the eye and they said, Don't, did it not cross your mind that that should be a message that I should hear about? Something in that ought to take us back a little bit. But how many times do we find ourselves in those situations? Do we find ourselves looking at somebody and and the Lord has opened the door for us to share our faith and either we stumble through it or we find a way to back out of that situation without sharing our faith? When those opportunities 
present themselves, we ought to be reaching our bag and chunking seed at that moment. That doesn't mean get in their face. That doesn't mean be overly aggressive. But don't let those opportunities pass by without planting seeds, without proclaiming, without teaching what we should be teaching and sharing it. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have a theological education. All you need to do is know that Jesus died for our sins and paid the price and present the gospel. And many times, the simpler, the better. One of the most dramatic moments I had where somebody gave their life to Christ. We were in the other building years ago in fate. And there's a man, there's a truck driver. They just happened to stop and he had his truck parked out in the parking lot there. And he came in on a Wednesday night. And I began to talk with him. And he acted like he enjoyed the Bible study, but afterwards I'm standing there talking with him, I'm meeting him, and he started talking about it. He said, he goes, everywhere I go, he goes, I get all this stuff thrown thrown at me. He goes, it just he goes, I just don't really know that I get it all. You know what I did? All I did was go back to children's church days and laid out a real simple explanation of the gospel. And when I finished, he stepped back. And I never for, I mean, I'll never forget his face as long as I live. He said, that is the first time somebody's explained it to me where I can understand. And we prayed together, and he gave his life to Christ right there. It's not as hard as the enemy wants to make us think that it is. I'm going to refer back to something here that we talked about this a couple of weeks back, but it was the Sunday of spring break and the time change, so the crowd was much, much thinner that day. But I'll remind you of something. Remember the parable of the talents? Now, we were talking about the, the parable of the unmerciful servant then, but there was a point, something I brought out that, that maybe you haven't thought of. Did you know that the original idea for the talent in Scripture, it was actually a large ingot, of mostly of silver, that was put together and molded and was actually molded with a handle in it because a talent of silver at that point weighed 75 pounds. Let that sink in for a moment. Because what do we think many times when we talk about the parable of the talent one to one, he gave you know, this many to one, he gave to one, he gave five, to one, he gave two, to one, he gave one. And we think that he was tossing coins his way. That kind of changes the perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Let me put that in perspective. A denarii, which was the small coin of that day and time, that represented one day's wage, a denarii of silver that represented one day's wage, it would take 6,000 of those to make one talent. So we're talking a talent was worth 6,000 days wages or 16 years. And what do we see in that, in that parable? We see Jesus or the, the master giving that to them and they were supposed to do something with it. 
Now think about it. Maybe you'd be thinking, maybe when we talk about spreading the gospel, maybe we talk about sowing seed and we talk about these things, you have this idea, but you don't understand. I am like the least in the kingdom. Okay. The lowest servant in that parable, he gave one talent. He gave 16 years worth of wages. So even if, even if you are the least in the kingdom, you've been given so much. How can you not share? Because what had happened when the master came back and he didn't do anything with the one talent he was given? What was he called? You wicked, lazy servant. Now, I'm not here to step on your toes today. And that. I'm, not, I'm not saying that we have a bunch of wicked, lazy servants. That's not my goal at all. But I want us to grasp the perspective of no matter who we are, if we've been saved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we've been given such a treasure that we can never repay. It's such a treasure beyond comprehension. So how can we not be in the business of sowing seed as we go through life? Isaiah 55, 11 says this. The prophet Isaiah is talking about the future to come. He says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What do he say? So shall be my word that comes out of, his, out of my mouth. See, giving seed to the sower is mentioned here. In the matter of fact, the very verse before this talks about giving seed to the sower. Then it talks about the word here. So even back in the prophet's Isaiah's day, the idea of the seed being the word was established even in the Old Testament. So what is this word? Well, let's look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the son, as, the, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus is the word. And he left us to scatter this gospel. He left each of us with this treasure. See, this treasure holds life. This treasure holds great power. Before the seed falls on the soil, all you have is a large section of ground full of potential. But it's dead. It's barren. It has no life. But there's something about when the seed hits it and it penetrates, that it springs forth into life and things can happen See, that's the way it is, this gospel of grace. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In other words, we were dead, and because we're alive now means that somewhere, sometime, somebody came along and tossed a little seed our way, and it got in us, and it took root, and it grew up. See, seed, when it germinates, brings life to soil before it was just a bunch of potential. Mark 4.20 says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. See, what is, 
What does this treasure hold that we're talking about? Number one, it holds great promise. Every seed that was sown has the potential to produce more seed. Think about that. As, as, as opportunities come our way, we have an opportunity to share the gospel and scatter a little seed. We don't know. As I said last week, we can't be in the business of trying to do soil checking. As I talked about, etymology is the science of, of checking soil. Well, that's not our business. God didn't call us to be etymologists. He called us to sow seed. And the whole point is that we don't know which seed we toss is going to suddenly find good ground and begin to grow up and be something and bring a great harvest. Let me, let me share something with you here that, that maybe you hadn't thought of it this way because how many know we don't use terms like 30-fold, 60-fold, or, or 100-fold, right? So modern terms, maybe you hadn't thought of this. 30-fold is 3,000% increase. 60-fold is a 6,000% increase. 100-fold is a 10,000% increase increase let that sink in for a moment we don't know when we're sharing the gospel with somebody else we're scattering a seed we're writing names down and praying for them we don't know which seed is going to fall on good soil that brings a 10,000% increase now if this was some multi-level marketing scheme and you got that one recruit that brought a 10,000% increase, you could retire. Well, you know what? I'm not much on multi-level marketing, but God's kingdom is a little bit set up that way, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to be trying to bring others in and, 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 and bring them I in? Mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And somewhere I've got this story written down. I can't remember the names, but can you imagine the person that led... Billy Graham to Christ that when he got there the number of people they'll be stepping in the kingdom and that ought to excite us we don't know when we share the gospel who's going to be that person but what we do know is that each seed is such a treasure that it has the potential to reproduce itself many times over it's a famous quote. I couldn't find out who originally said it, but it says this. We can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. See, we tend to sometimes, I think, think too small-minded. We can pull out apples and say, well, that's got six, eight, ten, twelve, whatever seeds on the inside, but only God knows how many apples each one of those seeds could produce if it found the right ground. See, such a promise and seed is this grace that we have. We never know which one we scatter will bring that 10,000-fold harvest. Let's look at Mark 5, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Other seed, it said, fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up since it had no depth at all. Let's look at the what I'm calling gravelly ground this morning. Because some ground looks good. 
And what you find is this hardness is just below the surface. On top, it looks like this incredible piece of property. Have you ever tried to dig up something or, or maybe try to plant a garden or something and you find out the area you're trying to plant is full of rocks and, and just when you think you got them all out, you turn something else over and there's more rocks? Well, the area that where Jesus was at at this time is is full of places like that. Now, I loved when we went to Israel, how because it is really the land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, you're, like, you're like in the middle of the desert, and we drove through this one tunnel after we landed at the airport, drove through this one, one tunnel on the mountain. We get on the other side into that valley, and all of a sudden there's green and lushness, and, and there's, I mean, believe it or not, there's banana orchards. There's all this stuff everywhere, just incredible. Do you know they're the number one banana exporter in the Middle East? Let that sink in. I can give you all kinds of statistics I learned while I was there, but we won't get hung up there. Point being is, is it's fertile ground. But those many places in that part of the world where what's described here is kind of the norm. There's places where there's ground that looks good on the surface, but the topsoil is very, very shallow. And if you plant seed, it does exactly what it talks about. It, it springs up. And you think, man, it's going to be a harvest, but it has no root that it can get. And the heat of the sun, everything, next thing you know, it sprung up, it looked good, and then it's gone. See, the kind of soil speaks of a heart that makes many times an emotional response. Maybe the person heard the gospel and said, well, you know what, I might as well give Jesus a try. I actually met someone years ago that, that, their response to asking Jesus into their life, supposedly, was that, well, I just want to, I don't know which one's the truth, I just want to make sure I got all my bases covered. What? Sometimes people are like that. Or perhaps they, they prayed to appease a friend. Or they act cornered. You know, sometimes somebody will pray the sinner's prayer because they're cornered by somebody that's very good at bouncing and, and driving in the corner. And they pray the prayer just to get rid of the person. They have no intention of living it. Or maybe they heard a shallow presentation of the gospel. Sometimes we can be guilty of that. Sometimes we can lay out a get-out-of-hell-free card gospel that says, oh, if you'll just pray this prayer, you're good. But you know what that does many times? A little side note from my message. Many times that inoculates somebody against the gospel because they're convinced they're good when they're not. But what we see here is many times that we see like this situation where the seed goes in and it, it begins to produce and, and grow forth, but but it not, it's not really lasting fruit it's not something that lasts and so many times and i've seen this where somebody responds and it seems like the the gospel springs up in them and it seems like things are going well and sometimes i think we're guilty of not preparing somebody that gives their life to christ oh by the way just mark it there's a counterattack coming what do we do we want to pre- present this gospel and say from this point, it's going to be all good. No, it's not. Because you just gave your life to Christ. There's an enemy that's going to try to steal that back away from you. 
And you're going to have this great day and this great moment, but something's going to happen. And it matters how deep you let it take root. As if you're going to hang on, because the enemy will try to steal what has happened. Scatter the seed on gravelly ground when a, when a mustard seed can bring mountains down because Jesus can soften that soil. He can turn it if there's enough faith involved. You know, no matter where you think you are, you know what? The cool thing is Jesus is more than capable of taking rocks and making rocks useful. I'll explain what I mean by that just, just for a moment here. Can you understand? Let me look at this. If we look at somebody that maybe was a little bit shallow. You might say Peter qualified in that category. Because he was, he was, I mean, he was on target one moment, the next moment he would miss the boat pretty good, right? So there, there could be a little bit of a case, maybe there's a little bit of rocky soil there that Jesus was trying to work with. But Jesus had success in doing that. Matter of fact, Jesus at one point says that on this rock I will build my church. Now, I know I'm stretching things a little bit, but I want you to get where, I, where I'm going here is the idea that just because something on the surface doesn't look like the right kind of soil, Jesus can make it into what it needs to be. He can turn it over. He can recreate it. And so we have to be in the business of sowing seed. And if you're here, maybe you've been one of those persons that, that, that you've kind of had that experience and somewhere along the way you've kind of let that fall away because you haven't let it grow into what it's supposed to be. You've let the things of the world around you, you've let the, the enemy come and try to burn out the things that God has done in your life. We must be about the business of scattering seed no matter what the ground Genesis one twenty eight. that we're going to pray. And the Lord blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. See, this idea of planting seed and being fruitful started all the way back at Genesis. And it's still going on today. His whole purpose is for us as followers of the Lord to be fruitful and multiply. We're supposed to be the ones taking dominion over the earth instead of backing down. 